Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No America. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaign. Oh, wait. Unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us during this really historic week in terms of justice. Uh, General Flynn has been vindicated. I'll obviously be talking about that. We have a new important lawsuit about what China knew and what WHO, the World Health Organization, knew and what they were telling Dr. Fauci. Uh, about the coronavirus. Uh, Plus, we were in uh, heated court action against Governor Gavin Newsom's plan to spend tax dollars on cash for illegal aliens. So I'll talk about that as well. So a lot to to get into and delve into here today. Uh, But first, it's been a great week for justice. Uh, The Justice Department was forced to withdraw its charges against General Flynn. Uh, they admitted there was no there there. They admitted he was railroaded. Now, of course, they didn't say that in the pleading, but that's essentially the conclusion that one can draw when looking at the various documents that were filed by the government, uh, not only in its motion, but in support of its motion to uh, stop the prosecution of General Flynn. And uh, again, no there there. Uh, he was railroaded. Comey is a crook. Obama knew. There are no clean hands, and justice still needs to be done. That's the truth about what happened to General Flynn. And I'm, and I'm pleased as punch for General Flynn. He's an American hero. He never did anything wrong. He never lied. And he was victimized as part of the seditious coup conspiracy against President Trump. It was orchestrated out of the Obama administration, specifically the Oval Office, and there's startling new information about Obama's involvement in this. And uh, it just confirms everything that you've probably believed and that Judicial Watch has been saying for years about the illicit coup conspiracy against President Trump. Uh, General Flynn, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he should get millions and tens of millions of dollars from the government for what they put him through. Uh, There's that famous quote by, uh, I think it was uh, Labor Secretary Donovan, who was a labor secretary under Ronald Reagan, who was, uh, uh, I, I even forget about what the specifics of the charges that they tried to railroad him with, uh, but he was vindicated and he came out of the courtroom or the courthouse and famously said, where do I go to get my reputation back? And of course the left uh, is pretending to be outraged when in fact they should be embarrassed. Now, one of the big issues, I'm going to get into the details of the filing that was uh, vindicates General Flynn in a minute, but I, I want you to understand something. Uh, the left and their allies in the media in quite a juvenile fashion and said, well, if Flynn wasn't guilty, then why did he plead guilty? Well, the evidence shows that he was coerced into pleading guilty, and it was he pled without knowing the full facts and circumstances of his prosecution, namely that the FBI had no A basis to question him and B had concluded that he didn't lie. 
that conclusion was generate was was concocted months later under the corrupt Mueller investigation. So what does this all mean? It means that General Flynn should never have been prosecuted. It means that the Mueller operation was uh, an ethical morass and was thoroughly corrupted. It means, because uh, these documents the Justice Department and FBI have had from the get-go, they all knew. Now, who knew what and when? I don't know within the Justice Department. I don't know when Attorney General Barr, for instance, knew about these specific documents or even Director Ray. I suspect Ray knew a lot longer, uh, has known a lot longer about what is, was entailed here. But as an agency, these agencies knew that Flynn was an innocent man, and, but instead were willing to put him in jail. So you've got this, this rot institutionally within the Justice Department and the FBI exposed by this. And of course it exposes uh, for the corrupt uh, operation we knew it to be, uh, the Mueller operation, because that prosecution took place <clears throat> under Mueller. And uh, if I were the president, I'd pardon everyone targeted by Mueller. I'd pardon every witness he questioned. Because as far as I'm concerned, <coughs> if he loses, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> if he loses Biden if, and, and whoever the nominee is for the Democrats and they come in, you can see from their comments today or this week, they're going to come in and try to re-prosecute these people. President Trump should pardon Flynn. He should pardon Manafort. He should pardon Stone. He should pardon witnesses they still are threatening, like his son. Uh, maybe he should pardon himself. I don't know. I think he technically can do it, drive them crazy, but he should do it anyway. I mean, the, the left is willing to put those who uh, get in their way politically in jail. I mean, we saw that with Flynn. We saw it with Trump. Uh, and they'll break all the rules to do whatever it is they want to do to obtain and uh, retain power. We saw that with the impeachment. So if you want to know why I get upset, it's because I know this injustice was going on. I know this injustice is going on. I, how do I know that? Because the documents show it was going on. And that's why the Justice Department was forced to do this. And I'm, and I'm going to praise General, excuse me, General Barr uh, for doing this. Uh, other attorney generals may have not have done it. And frankly, if Jeff Sessions went into office and Rod Rosenstein was still running the operation, practically speaking, it probably wouldn't happen. Wouldn't have happened. But let's be clear, none of this would have been happened. None of this would have happened but for the uh, diligence of Sidney Powell, General Flynn's new lawyers. Because Sidney Powell forced the government to cough up these records, uh, and the records were just so devastating. In many ways, Attorney General Barr had no choice but to do the right thing here. Uh, and um, so I commend General Flynn, I, excuse me, I, I, content, I commend General Barr uh, but it wouldn't have happened but for this outside pressure uh, from Sidney Powell, who is uh, deserves so much credit for, for doing this. Because when she first came in and wanted to pull back on Flynn's plea deal, a lot of people were skeptical uh, that it would go anywhere. I didn't know if it was going to go anywhere because, you know, you know, the government holds all the cards in prosecution. But unlike most lawyers in town here in Washington, D.C., and of course, she's not really from Washington, D.C., 
uh, she understood the depth and depravity of the corruption of the Justice Department and the FBI. She knew they were willing to say and do anything uh, with, outside the law even uh, to get their, to get, their uh, get people like Flynn indicted, prosecuted in jail. And so she pushed back and pushed back and she forced the disclosure of these records. Records that we had already been pressuring for the release of and had been gathered presumably in response to our FOIA request. So we were all, they were all just set, ready to be released. And it shows you the importance of transparency to upholding the rule of law. And now I want to get back to the case against General Flynn or the non-case against General Flynn that has been exposed uh, by Attorney General Barr and uh, his team. So they filed this uh, brief the other day, and I'm going to read it in part. I can't read it all because it's just too long, and some of it is just legal uh, legal can't that you don't necessarily need to know about. Uh, the United States of America hereby moves to dismiss with prejudice the criminal information filed against Michael T. Flynn pursuant to Federal Rule of Criminal Procedure 48A. The government has determined, pursuant to principles of federal prosecution, I meant this, I almost said persecution, that would have been correct, and based on the extensive review and careful consideration of the circumstances, that continued prosecution of this case would not serve the interests of justice. Mr. Flynn entered a guilty plea, which he has since sought to withdraw, again, under Sidney uh, uh, Powell's. Uh, advice to a single count of making false statements in a January 24, 2017 interview with investigators of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. This crime, however, requires a statement to not to be not simply false, but, quote, materially false, unquote, materially is in quotes, with respect to a matter under investigation. So what does that mean? It means that if they come in and question you, you have to lie about a crime they're investigating. And that, quote, another lie about a crime they're not investigating is not material here. So if they ask me uh, or ask you a question I, I, of, um, if you tell a lie about an irrelevant issue that's not under investigation, they can't prosecute you about it. Not that Flynn lied at all, but I'll, the brief will further describe why he made no statements and probably could not have made any statements to the FBI that were relevant to an investigation. Why? Because they had the transcripts. They knew what he said already to the ambassador. So they didn't need to question him about it other than, as the notes suggest, to get him fired or prosecuted. And by prosecuted, I mean a perjury trap. Materiality is an essential element of the offense. It requires more than mere relevance or relatedness to the matter being investigated. It requires probative weight, whereby the statement is reasonably likely to influence the tribunal in making a determination required to be made. After a considered review of all the facts and circumstances of this case, including newly discovered and disclosed information appended to the defendant's supplemental pleadings, so these were documents that the FBI had 
coughed up finally to Sidney Powell that she informed the court about and the government here is referencing. The government has concluded that the interview of Mr. Flynn was untethered to and unjustified by the FBI's counterintelligence investigation into Mr. Flynn, a no longer justifiably predicated investigation that the FBI had, in the Bureau's own words, prepared to close because it had yielded, quote, an absence of any derogatory information, unquote, emphasis added to absence of any. The government is not persuaded that the January 24th, 2017 interview was conducted with a legitimate investigative purpose, basis, and therefore does not believe Mr. Flynn's statements were material even if untrue. Moreover, we do not believe the government can prove either the relevant false statements or their materiality had a reasonable doubt. A determination to prosecute represents a policy judgment that the fundamental interests of society require the application of federal criminal law to a political set of a particular set of circumstances. And that's a quote from the Justice Department's manual. In the government's assessment, mindful of the high burden to prove every element of an offense beyond a reasonable doubt, and that the government prosecutors have a duty to do justice, continued prosecution of the charged crime does not serve a substantial federal interest. The government respectfully moves to dismiss the criminal information with prejudice against Mr. Flynn. So that's that, it's over. Now the judge has to, uh, in the end, ratify the request by the, by the government to drop the prosecution, but obviously there's not going to be a prosecution if the government doesn't want to pursue a prosecution. The judge isn't going to do it on his own. To the degree the judge is, uh, has any discretion to say no, it's, uh, as General Barr has explained in an interview to CBS this week, it's to stop prosecutors from bringing a charge and then pulling it back and then res resubmitting it with something different and just playing games. Uh, it doesn't give the court a discretion to keep a prosecution going that the government doesn't think has any merit, which it has concluded in these circumstances. So there was no reason to interview General Flynn. That's what the government has just said to us. They all lied to get in to see him. And when you look at what happened in, uh, in, in the days around the interview of Flynn, you're, you're just going to be flabbergasted. And uh, I, could, I could read it at length here, but I'm just going to describe it, and you, and you can go and verify. Hopefully I got the story straight, more or less. I've studied the documents pretty closely now. So as, as, this, uh, as this document suggests, the, in early January of 2017, the FBI, after a, a really abusive spy operation against Flynn, based on the nothing conspiracy theory that there was Russia collusion, it was a falsehood, it was a smear, they all knew it was a smear, yet they investigated him anyway, hoping to catch him in something, they couldn't. And as I said, there was no viable case against General Flynn. And the text messages show that Peter Strzok, at the direction of the seventh floor, intervened to keep the case open. And by the seventh floor, I mean the leadership of the FBI, Comey and McCabe. Now, at the time of the, uh, and, and where, what was going on also around that time? The President of the United States on January 5th, 2017, the day after, they kept this operation open. 
he is having an Oval Office meeting, and I've talked about this meeting repeatedly because it's kind of key to understanding Obama's involvement. He discussed Flynn and the transcripts they allegedly had with the ambassador in the Oval Office with his leadership team, including Sally Yates and James Comey. Biden was there, others were there as well. And uh, Yates, and this is material and testimony from Yates, this is not Tom Fitton describing Comey's, excuse me, uh, Obama's uh, being implicated here. This This is Yates throwing Obama under the bus. She was surprised that he knew. And Obama kept them after the lengthier meeting about the fraudulent dossier that they were going to ambush uh, Trump with the next day. So that's just another, that's just more corruption that Obama was involved in with uh, Comey. Uh, Obama kept Yates and um, Comey behind in the Oval Office and he raised again the Flynn issue. And he talked about weirdly well, does this change how we're going to treat Flynn in the White House, meaning the incoming White House? He was the incoming national security advisor. And Yates thought that was an unusual comment. And she put finally two and two together and realized that he was talking about the Logan Act. (coughs) Excuse me. The Logan Act is a law that is basically a nullity now because it has never been enforced. I don't think the Justice Department has sought to enforce it since the middle of the 1800s. Middle of the 1800s. Yet when General Flynn was doing his job and talking to a Russian ambassador in the interregnum between the Trump and uh, Obama administrations, they concocted this theory that he's not allowed to talk to foreign ambassadors like every other incoming foreign policy team would be expected to do. So it was purely pretextual. But getting back to Yates and Obama, Obama was the one pushing the Logan Act theory. Obama was the one pushing Comey to treat the White House differently than he would any other White House. And sure enough, Comey followed Obama's orders more or less. Because Yates later testifies that, look, we've got this information about Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador. They were pretending to be concerned about it. We still don't know what's in it. They don't really give us the transcript. Um, And uh, they thought they should tell the incoming administration and the White House about it. Yates did. And Comey resisted doing so. And in fact, he uh, did it over the objections. He resisted it over the objections of pretty much everyone else in, in the community. Uh, even Brennan and Clapper supposedly tried to push him to tell them about it. And uh, Brennan uh, and Clapper uh, basically backed off when Comey said, oh, no, it's an active criminal investigation. Yates says he varied and changed his explanations as to why he needed to keep it secret because he went from it's a counterintelligence investigation to a criminal investigation. And so, but Yates was insistent that this take place, uh, this communication take place. So he, fi- she finally said, after Trump came into office, you need to tell him. And she went to call him and she called, he called him back later in the day and said, well, it's too late. I've got the guys going over to interview him. 
and they hit the ceiling over at the Justice Department, according to Yates' own testimony. But isn't it interesting how it all ties back to Obama? So there was this ambush interview set up in motion by Barack Obama through his minion, James Comey. And Yates describes it all, and it's described in these documents here. So Obama, when it comes to the seditious conspiracy against Trump, actuated through the attack on Flynn, Obama's responsible. Obama, and I used to joke this, I used to joke about this in the first year or two of the Trump administration. I used to say, well, I'm waiting for the Trump administration to come to power because there were so many Obama holdovers resisting, and they, many of them still are, and, and running the show contrary to the wishes of the American people and obviously the, uh, what the elected president wanted to do. And here you literally had an example of it. You had Comey doing Obama's bidding in keeping the White House frozen out of the intelligence information they had about the National Security Advisor. And as uh, Comey admitted, he bypassed the rules and secretly went to interview the National Security Advisor to President of the United States without telling White House counsel lawyers or his Justice Department supervisors. Yeah, supervisors, because he works for them, not the other way around. By the way, the FBI is not, quote, an independent agency. It's an agency of the Justice Department. They report to the Justice Department, the director does in theory. And of course, all of them report to the President of the United States. So what I'm describing here is sedition. And I, know, I'm, I appreciate Sally Yates uh, throwing Obama and Comey under the bush, but her hands aren't clean because she kept on pushing this Logan Act ridiculousness with the White House and finally pressured, made it impossible for Flynn to continue working there because they alleged that Penn, uh, Flynn had lied to Vice President Pence and who knows who else about what he said to the ambassador. And I, I don't know what he said to Pence. My guess is he didn't lie. My guess is he told him what he remembered. And was his memory perfect? I doubt it. Now, Vice President Pence thinks that maybe it was all a big misunderstanding. Look, they were all gamed by Comey and Sally Yates. So Sally Yates, the co-conspirator, turning in another co-conspirator who did additional crimes. It doesn't mean that Sally Yates is a great person. Remember, she got fired for, for, for trying to countermand and refused to, refusing to defend the president's initial travel ban, which is completely constitutional. And she decided she didn't like it and she wouldn't defend it. And that's why she got fired. Because she was the holdover acting attorney general. What, what a nightmare in the beginning of the Trump administration. And that's where the coup began. Now, this report, and I encourage you to read it. We have a link to it on our website, is important. I encourage you to read it completely. It's an indictment of James Comey. It's an indictment of Barack Obama. It is, though, only a partial uh, review of the information or a partial admission. It's not a full-blown confession by the Justice Department and the FBI. They don't talk, for instance, uh, you know, I read it, maybe I missed it. 
they don't talk, as best I can tell, about the missing 302, the initial document that looks like it was edited by Strzok and Page. What happened to it? The 302, of course, is the FBI, uh, the bureaucratic name for the narrative report created by FBI agents to document interviews with witnesses and targets. They didn't do that for Flynn initially, and they didn't get around to it till months later. So they don't explain that. They also don't explain the prosecutorial misconduct that withheld this information from General Flynn and his legal team for years. Do you think Flynn would have pled guilty if he knew about all this skullduggery? Of course not. That's what he testified to. He said, I wouldn't have pled guilty if I'd known about this. So as I kept on, when I said earlier, just remember this, when you hear the juvenile leftists, the dishonest leftists say, oh, Flynn pled guilty. Why would you plead guilty if you weren't guilty? He was coerced. They were going after his son and they kept that secretly and I kept that secret improperly. And it was involuntary as a result. So he did not plead under the law properly. And secondly, it was not knowing. He didn't have all the information because the prosecutors and the FBI withheld it from him. What a miscarriage of justice. And I, you know, look, I am happy, believe it or not. I am so happy. This is what was one of the best days in terms of justice in the th at least the first three the you know this trump administration it's a great day but i'm still angry you know I'm, i just can't help it i'm still ticked i'm still ticked about what ha happened to him so what next well will general flynn uh the judge has to i, I say as i say ratify or, or kind of officially dismiss the charges. I don't know what Judge Sullivan's going to do. Uh, Judge Sullivan hasn't been terribly friendly to General Flynn, uh, and Judge Sullivan is probably uh, going to, I hope he recognizes that he was fooled by the government because they violated his orders. And if I were Judge Sullivan, I would institute criminal contempt proceedings against Judge uh, General Flynn's prosecutors, persecutors, everyone involved here. I bring the whole lot of them in from the FBI director on down. What did they know and when about this conspiracy against uh, General Flynn? It wasn't an investigation, it was a conspiracy. And when you look at this document about James Comey's utter contempt for the rule of law, procedure, contempt for the president, contempt for the constitution, of course, Obama, moving along, you know, obviously endorsing that, ratifying that type of behavior in that Oval Office meeting. What a gangster Comey is. What a gangster. Even yesterday, uh, after this is pushed out, after the Justice Department did the right thing, and of course, Barr is getting viciously attacked. You know, I want Barr to do more and better. But on the other hand, when he does the right thing, we all have to support that. And in this case, he did the right thing. It may be too, it may be way late. It, you know, we can all complain about reasons as to all complain about why did it take so long? Why did they cover up the documents? I understand that. But he did the right thing and he's going to be attacked viciously for doing it. 
And so it's important for the American people to stand behind justice warriors like Attorney General Barr when they do the right thing. Because if you expect him to, uh, or expect the Justice Department institutionally to continue to do the right thing, you have to support them in these circumstances or support Attorney General Barr more specifically. Because I really think, and you know, now that I've been nice for uh, 30 seconds, I'm gonna revert back to form. The Justice Department is a mess. The FBI is a mess. I wanna know what Ray knew and when. I wanna know what Rosenstein knew and when. You know, they say they just found these documents in the last few weeks or months. What's going on there? As I described to you last week, many of the page struck emails, some of which were disclosed for the first time to, pay, to uh, Sidney Powell's uh, General Flynn's team. I mean, they were subject to FOIA by Judicial Watch. We haven't gotten them yet. FBI is stonewalling them. This all could have been, if, if the FBI had followed FOIA law, this could have been, Flynn could have been free from this years ago. We asked for this material two years ago. Text messages, emails. And if we had gotten them when we asked for them, Flynn would have not suffered the way he suffered. This is why transparency is essential. It's essential. And we're, they're still hiding documents, 8,000 records. 8,000 pages of Clinton of page struck records. And I don't know how many text messages since they're still refusing to turn over any of them under FOIA. And of course, they deleted some of them too, right? Remember that under Mueller? Where's the justice for that? So as I say, General uh, Flynn will uh, get full vindication when Judge Sullivan shuts the case down officially. Uh, is Judge Sullivan going to institute criminal contempt proceedings against those who violated his court orders and precipitated this obstruction and miscarriage of justice? I don't know. What is the Justice Department going to do? Are they going to pursue this further? I don't know. I'm skeptical that anything else will be done. Um, General Flynn uh, is probably going to have to sue to get additional, to get full justice, at least uh, additional justice. Uh, I'm not seeing evidence that senior level officials like Comey and others are going to uh, face criminal consequences. There's just no evidence is happening. I, I know you're upset about it, I'm upset about it, but I don't see the evidence is happening. If I thought there was evidence that was happening, and sometimes even evidence is happening doesn't tell you what's really happening because look at look at Clinton. You know, they went through all the motions really forced by, by Judicial Watch because we were pushing them on it to do an investigation of Clinton, but they didn't prosecute her in the end. So um, as I said, this document is not a full confession. There are thousands of documents thousands of documents that still need to be released about not only the targeting of Flynn, but the general jihad against President Trump, the coup attack against President Trump, led by the Obama gang and deep staters like Rod Rosenstein. And I say Rod Rosenstein again, because there's been a new document that's been released. It's actually not a new document. We've known about it. It was an August 2017 memo uh, uh, detailing 
that uh, what Mr. Mueller was supposed to be investigating. Now, we had sued for it, and they, they just simply refused to give it to us. It was highly redacted, and we couldn't get it because it was law enforcement sensitive or something like that. So all just garbage reasons for hiding their corruption. And it is corruption because when you look at the memo that uh, Rosenstein wrote after the fact to ratify what, in my view, Mueller was probably already doing, you can see that Mueller was being asked to investigate non-crimes. He was asked to investigate the theory that there was collusion between the Trump team and the Russians. Well, collusion isn't a crime. So what is that about? He was also asked to investigate the Logan Act theory against Flynn. Again, that's not a real crime, practically speaking. And it wasn't a crime, literally speaking, because Flynn didn't do anything inappropriate. He was advancing U.S. interests in communicating with the Russians, as his job and in, as incoming national security advisor would demand. You know, in many ways, there's nothing new under the sun with this crowd. I mean, the left hates losing. Uh, someone, I was talking to someone the other day, senior foreign policy type, and, and this person said, reminded me, and I, I remember, I, I've always go back to the Carter-Reagan fight because Carter accused Reagan of Logan Act violations, practically speaking, with the Iranians. And they kind of doubled down on it when George W. Bush was running for office. But she highlighted that uh, Johnson complained about Nixon in Vietnam. Those of you who are old enough to remember that, I kind of vaguely remember that. So this is nothing new for the left. They just accuse their opponents of crimes as a matter of course. Here they escalated. They escalated it into a coup, into outright sedition against the incoming president. And if Durham doesn't question Obama, it would be a miscarriage of justice given the new evidence we have of Obama's involvement. You know, we issued a statement yesterday. I'm just going to read it to you for the record because it's important. Judicial Watch welcomes the Justice Department's decision to exonerate General Flynn, an American hero who was victimized by the Obama administration and the deep state. The targeting of General Flynn was a key part of the Obama-Clinton deep state coup against President Trump. Judicial Watch commends the heroic work of General Flynn's legal team, led by Sidney Powell, as I said. They exposed the criminal conduct by FBI and DOJ officials behind Flynn's illicit prosecution. This corruption, as Judicial Watch is exposed from the get-go, is the tip of the iceberg. The required next step for, the justi for justice is the prosecution of the Kukabal who tried to destroy General Flynn and overthrow our president. We need prosecution of the Kukabal. And, and, and I don't know who exactly would be prosecuted, but I do know who they need to be looking at. Obama, Biden, Clinton, DNC, their lawyers, Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Susan Rice, Biden, Brennan, Clapper. I'm probably forgetting people. Bruce Orr, Glenn Simpson.
what did John Kerry know? I don't know. I know his State Department was shoveling classified information after Trump won to his buddies in the Senate and the House to try to smear him. I know they were working on the dossier. What is Durham going to do anything about all of this? I don't know. Well, I kind of do know. I don't think he is. My instinct is he's doing an administrative review that may lead to prosecutions of some individuals. Maybe Strzok gets prosecuted. That would be good. This is why I think the president needs to appoint a special counsel outside the Justice Department to do this work. Because institutionally, I don't think they're capable of doing it. You know, and plus, it's May in an election year. We're running out of time. I don't, you know, people say TikTok, something's coming. I say TikTok in a bad way. Time's a wasting. Time's a wasting. So, Judicial Watch is going to continue to pursue justice. We have the FOIA requests, we have the lawsuits. We will have new lawsuits based on the new information that's coming up. I'm convinced that if Judicial Watch hadn't been pressing for accountability from the deep state on Mueller and the Justice Department and the FBI, because you have to remember our criticisms of Mueller, when we were criticizing Mueller, when I was criticizing Mueller, when Judicial Watch is out there asking tough questions about what Mueller was up to, demanding accountability, calling it initially that Flynn was railroaded, we were alone. I don't mean literally, but practically speaking here in D.C., we were alone. I can tell you we made everyone nervous when we said things like that. The Justice Department was nervous. They were upset with us because we were asking them too many questions. You kind of saw that with uh, the Justice Department's relationship with Nunes and Jordan and Meadows. They were resisting information requests from them, too. But we were right about Mueller. We pressed and pressed and pressed. And I'm convinced that if we hadn't done this work in public education, uh, the president wouldn't be president. The president would not be president of the United States. They would have concocted something to remove him from office or, or set him up in a way that would have required his resignation like they did with Flynn. Convinced about, I'm convinced that, that, that our pressure, our education and our Dozens, dozens of FOIA lawsuits to get information made it impossible for them to do what they wanted to do. And it led eventually, and, and, and President Trump is, uh, you know, rescued himself so many times. He deserves a medal for firing James Comey. What a corrupt public official James Comey was. He deserves a medal. Because as he's often pointed out, if he didn't fire Comey, we probably wouldn't know a lot about all of this because they would have just kept rolling along. And then thankfully, he brought a new leadership at the Justice Department. Because General Sessions had made this, these terrible decisions to recuse himself and just gave up defending the rule of law within his own agency. Because the Attorney General Barr came in and he saw immediately what was going on. 
and said, we're done. And Mueller had to leave. Because if Barr hadn't come in, and I, I convinced Mueller would still be, he'd probably still be special counsel, or they'd have a, we'd still have the operation going, or he'd have a, you know, a successor, a perpetual special counsel for the president. You know, it's a close-run thing, our country, in terms of our whether we keep a republic or not. And I'm proud to say that Judicial Watch helps us keep the republic. And I want to thank you for your support that allows us to do this great work. So more is coming. More is coming. And uh, we got some great justice the other day, but we're not resting. Uh, accordingly, we were in California. Talk about lawlessness. California has been out of control. We all know that. Uh, it's a one-party state. And, uh, and it's true, it's always true, that when you have a state without an effective political opposition or you have a situation without an effective political opposition, corruption and challenges to the rule of law, uh, you know, uh, germinate. And we see this with radical policies in, in California that as a policy, they challenge the rule of law. Forget about the, in the inherent corruption around socialism. I'm just talking about the policies are being lawless. We've got policies, they were, you get their sanctuary policies, you name it, all sorts of crazy ideas out of uh, California. And most recently, Governor Gavin Newsom uh, decided that on his own, he could spend $75 million plus on cash payments to illegal aliens using California taxpayer resources. Well, federal law requires that if you're going to give benefits like that to illegal aliens, and I question whether those types of benefits would even be allowed under this law, but nevertheless, you have to have a legislative, uh, of the law passed to allow it to take place. So the California legislature has to pass a law that says Governor Newsom can give money to illegal aliens during the coronavirus crisis. That's what the law requires. And uh, it's pretty cut and dried. And in California, taxpayers have the right to challenge illegal expenditures of funds. So we represented taxpayers in our lawsuit challenging Gavin Newsom's expenditure. And we escalated the situation by seeking a temporary restraining order against Gavin Newsom's plan to spend this money on illegal cash for illegal aliens. And uh, we didn't get justice. The judge outrageously said, that Judicial Watch, our clients, we would succeed on the merits. I'm gonna sneeze again, I guess not. But um, we were likely to succeed on the merits, but it was more important for the public interest that these illegal aliens get the cash anyway. I mean, how do you like that? That's manifest error, it's an outrageous decision. The law doesn't matter because it's important that the people get the money. I mean, it was, this was a California Superior Court judge. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. You know, and, and I did the release. Um, you know, I'll give you a little inside information. You know, when we draft these releases, you know, the, you know our media team drafts releases and it gets approved by the lawyers. And, you know, you don't want to say anything that's contrary to what happened. But uh, I, as I described it, is as is is almost verbatim what happened so the lawyer, you know this is not like this is it's is the lawyers are on our have are sh as shocked as i am about this 
when our Judicial Watch lawyer was out there, Robert Sticht, and it's completely outraged about it. So we're going to have to try to seek in an immediate, immediate appeal of some sort to try to stop it from happening. But you can see why our work is so essential, because not only do we sometimes have to challenge government agencies to do the right thing, or in this case, suing a governor, but sometimes the courts are just as bad. And in this case, you had lawlessness being endorsed by a court in a, in a way that you rarely see, in a way that you rarely see. Usually they're a bit more subtle. Uh, but in this case, they said we're, again, likely to succeed on the merits, meaning, yes, the governor has no legal authority to send this money out, but it's good that he's sending it out because we all love illegal aliens and they deserve cash during this coronavirus shutdown. So that's, that's California for you. So uh, we do have another lawsuit against another jurisdiction planned in that area where you have these jurisdictions against spending money lawlessly like I've described. So I'll be talking about that next week. Uh, we're just gonna keep on pushing on this. I mean, the rule of law demands it. And I don't want uh, anyone to get sick from the coronavirus, uh, but illegal aliens have no right to be here and they should just be home. They should go home. If you're here illegally, you should go home. And you have no right to cash benefits or welfare or anything else. You're not supposed to be here. I mean, it's obvious to you, right? But it's not obvious to the politicians. It's not obvious to some judges. I mean, and the Newsom scan was really a scam because he was going to give money to a third party and that third party was going to be funded by the Gates Foundation and all sorts of leftist foundations. So all sorts of additional money was going to be funneled in there. I mean, can you imagine the walking around money that was going to result from that in addition just to the cash to the legal aliens? Terrible corruption. And um, I'm glad we're fighting it. I'm glad we're fighting it. I'm upset we lost initially. But someone's got to stand up for the rule of law. And I'm proud Judicial Watch is. So uh, what else is going on? Oh, we have a little old lawsuit against the National Institutes of Health for Dr. Fauci's emails. The coronavirus crisis continues unabated. Not the, not the, not the medical side of the crisis, but the economic side of the crisis. We have 33 million people unemployed now. And uh, we still have major states that are shut down outrageously, outrageously shut down. There's no science to keep the state shut down. Every state needs to be open. I don't want to get sick. I don't want you to get sick. I don't want anyone to die. But you cannot solve a pandemic by destroying an economy and destroying a country and oppressing our rights. There's no constitutional basis. There's no lawful authority to keep people at home for months at a time and to shut every business in a state and then quote, to only turn it on slowly. I mean, that's totalitarianism. It's not even authoritarianism, it's totalitarianism. And it needs to be stopped. And I've encouraged President Trump to set a deadline certain. June 1st, I think maybe that's actually too far given the calamity. States open up. Provide freedom to all your citizens to work, get their lives back, get their rights back. And if you don't do it, 
we will come in and do it for you. Because our federal government, the president, the Justice Department have positive moral obligations to make sure all of our rights constitutionally are protected. States don't have any right to take away your constitutional rights. They don't. I mean, you're seeing some states talking about keeping things shut down or suppressed for a year now. First, we can't wear masks, then we're gonna to have to wear masks. We need to flatten the curve, the curve gets flattened, then we need tests, now we don't need tests, now we need contract tracers. Who guess who DC hired? I may have already said this, I'm gonna say it again. Susan Rice. Susan Rice, Benghazi liar, Spygate co-conspirator. So the Obama gang is now working in DC in, on the reopen DC project. How do you like that? They're hiring 900 contact tracers for a population of 700,000. I saw a headline, 20,000 in California. Contact tracers, what, what? That's absurd. You need contact tracing when, uh, uh, when you have a, an emergent disease in one or two locations or a few people at a time getting it so you can try to keep it. Now it's all over the country. You don't need contact tracers. So we gotta get this country open. Now, another big part of the debate is what China knew and what they said and how they lied about the coronavirus. And our friends at the Daily Caller News Foundation, you know, had the temerity to actually ask for documents about what was going on. And specifically, they asked for documents of Dr. Fauci. And this is what they're seeking, communications between Dr. Fauci and Deputy Director Lane, and he was Deputy Director under Fauci there, uh, and World Health Organization officials concerning the novel coronavirus. Communications of Dr. Fauci and, and Deputy Director Lane concerning WHO, WHO official, WHO official Bruce Alleyward, and WHO uh, Director General Tedros uh, Anahanam and China. I guess I call him Tedros all the time. So we want to know, and our client in this case wants to know, what was Dr. Fauci being told about the coronavirus by WHO and China? Now he says he was misled. He, he, uh, he says that um, one of the early mistakes he made in terms of analyzing the virus was he, was, he didn't realize how transmittable it was, how, how easily it could spread. In part, I'm sure that came from the Chinese. Because remember, there was that issue about human to human contact, and that wasn't spread easily through human to human contact. All of that also was pushed out by WHO. Now, the president has demanded an audit of WHO and a moratorium on spending. I forget the detail of it. And even to this day, the deep state is opposing it. I found out through my, uh, my, uh, people I know, that the deep state is trying to get a key subsidiary of the WHO, the Pan American Health Organization, of which we provide half their budget, 
exempted from the president's declaration that American money not go to WHO. So it's a subsidiary. The deep state's logic is, well, it's a separate agency. It's not really separate, practically speaking. And it's corrupt, just like the WHO is. It is a, uh, uh, it's a front often for the Cubans. So it's a tool of the Cubans. And it's just terrible. And we shouldn't provide, yeah, let, me be, let me be clear. There should be no money going to WHO, whether or not they lied about China. Lying about China is just the latest in their, corrupt, their, their corruption. I mean, these international organizations are just corrupt messes. As far as I'm concerned, we should be funding none of them. None of them. Someone tried to convince me there was one worth funding. I promised I'd look into it, but maybe there's one. Of course, that, that would just be the exception that proves the rule, wouldn't it? So uh, Judicial Watch is suing on behalf of our client, the Daily Caller News Foundation, which is really a leading media organization here in Washington, D.C., because the corrupt legacy media is just gone completely native in terms of socialism and activism. So our friends at the Daily Caller News Foundation are asking tough questions about Fauci's emails. And we want the answers. And when you, in a crisis, transparency and the rule of law, again, should not fall on the wayside. So it's important that the agency, NIH, turn the documents over. It's a significant public interest to find out what WHO was telling our top medical officials about the coronavirus that originated, originated in China. Don't you think that's important? I do. I'm gonna read the statement issued by uh, the Daily Caller News Foundation co-founder and president, uh, Neil Patel. And Neil writes, uh, this virus has killed hundreds of thousands of people and turned the whole world upside down. We know that China and WHO could have done a lot more to prevent or reduce this catastrophe. We therefore take a, have a legitimate and urgent news purpose for seeking these documents regarding U.S. officials' communications with WHO and demand that the agencies in question stop stalling and start following the law that entitles us to this vital information. That's a pretty good comment, isn't it? That's very judicial watchy. Well, obviously we're representing it. That's why we, we have the same mind on this. But isn't it interesting, we've got this you know, this world history event. And this virus originated in China and Judicial Watch is the only one, as best I can tell, suing for this basic information. Incredible, isn't it? So we'll see. And we've got other lawsuits that are percolating. We haven't filed them yet. Many FOIAs percolating on this issue. So we gotta get the country open. We're opposing coronavirus abuse. Our freedoms are under assault. And of course, you know, tied in all of this, we're obviously monitoring the assault on our election integrity that the left is pursuing using coronavirus as the latest excuse. So, but what a week it's been. Uh, again, God bless General Flynn. God bless the United States of America. I mean, it shows you how important the rule of law is and that we can't let it slip away. And I'm proud that Judicial Watch is essential in keeping it, keeping it steadfast and tethering it here to the, our, our system of government. So uh, again, thank you for your support. And I'll be here next week 
with the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's Weekly Update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.